Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's show, Dead Island 2 moves their release date again, but in a different direction. Bungie is preparing for Lightfall and get ready to get dirty in Final Fantasy. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. Every Friday, I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena. Hello, what's good? What's good, girl? <laughs> Sitting here casually drinking, not choking on anything at all. <clears throat> of course, as you do. And Brittany Brombacher is here as well. Hello, friend. Hello, good to see you as always. We had a fun interview we did a little earlier today, which we'll tell you guys about in just a minute. And welcome, very special guest, Doc Brooke is back. What's good, ladies? Well, it's great to have you back on the show. The last time you were here, unfortunately, Britt could not be here. So it's a pleasant surprise that we are able to get you into our schedule amidst your busy schedule. It's great. I'm so excited to be here. What's Succinct, it like to everybody. Be short and short yeah. and sweet. It I is. love it. I'm so happy to be True. here. I just want to give a quick shout out to Doc Brooke. Doc has been helping us a lot with some behind the scenes shenanigans. And I think what's well, the title we we all decided on? Content manager? Is that, yes. Was that it? Okay. That's correct. Yeah, you know, we just we you know, yeah. we won't lie. We came up with it about 20 seconds before we went live on the show because yep. we're professionals like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, Very official. Andrew and I have been transparent, you know, as new moms we're trying to run this business, it's a lot. And so we're finally seeking outside help and doc is one of those incredible people that has been helping us upload the show on the back end posting to social media we love you and we appreciate you thanks ladies it's easy to do and to celebrate doc helping us make sure the wheels keep spinning the plates keep turning is an announcement about pax east so we all know pax east is happening March 23rd through the 26th. And What's Good Games is going back to Boston, baby. Shoot the confetti. I need to buy a coat. Yay. It's really cold. It's so cold. Well, we're very excited that we will be hosting What's Good Games Live, a panel at PAX East, much like we did many years before. PAX East 2020 was, in fact, our last appearance in Boston. And it was a really amazing time slash really stressful time because the world was still grappling with what is happening with this infection that's spreading around different countries of the world. And now we know, you know, COVID (laughs) is very terrible and awful and went on for far too long and is still technically going on. But we are excited to go back and our panel will be Thursday, March 23rd at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time in the Condor Theater. And we will, of course, have lots of details rolling out on our social media. But Doc is going to join us. Yeah, you are. It's a very exciting time. And on top of that, the wonderful team at ReadPop said, hey, you know what? We're excited you guys are coming back to Boston and participating in PAX East. We would like 
to help you give away some four-day passes to PAX East to your community. And we were like, okay, that sounds super cool. <laughs> so we will post details on how you can potentially win a PAX East four-day pass on our social media accounts, What's Good underscore Games on Twitter. And then we will put up a little video with details on Instagram, What's Good Games Official, and TikTok at What's Good Games. So if you aren't following those, please do. And then of course, facebook.com slash What's Good Games is where we hold it down over there. And also the Facebook fan page. If you are not part of that, lots of fun, cool folks in there having great discussions. So keep your eyes peeled. But make sure you blink. Yeah, the deadline to submit for that (laughs) is actually quite soon. So if you're hearing this and you're interested, you're like, hey, I'm going to be in Boston or I can get myself to Boston. I would like a four-day pass. Let us know because I should be very explicitly clear. This does not include travel or accommodations or food. It literally is just the pass to get inside packs. That's it. So you have to take care of everything else on your own. I wish we could do like an all-expenses-paid trip for someone, but we just don't have that kind of money yet. Soon, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, sorry if there's some weird pauses. My brain is firing at half speed today because I've been dealing with (laughs) some audio issues. So, ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed that there's been some wonky audio over the last couple of weeks here at What's Good Games. That's because our old soundboard decided to, you know, shit the bed. Let's just call it like it is. R.I.P. Yes, Mm -hmm. it broke. Mm -hmm. So I had to replace it and then getting the new one on board, you know, is a challenge because technology feels like it should just work, but it doesn't. Especially not audio. Learned that lesson six years into this thing. Nothing ever works. It doesn't. But hopefully everything is going to sound wonderful and amazing. And uh, we're excited to bring you lots more podcasts. So shall we continue on with the show? Enough housekeeping. Thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Gutson, Alex Agopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Davy Strachan and the Maniacal Mouse. Like very fun. Nice. I like it. If you want to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games where you can get the show ad free. Speaking of ads, this show is brought to you by HelloFresh, but we'll tell you more about that later because we want to say thank you to everyone who has taken time in the past to leave us a five-star review on their podcast platform of choice. It really means a lot to us, right, Britt? It means so much to us. But I have a goal, and I put this in the show notes. The goal is we are currently at a 4.6 rating on Apple. Now listen, if you want to give us a four-star review and it's constructive feedback, cool. But a lot of the reason why we're at a 4.6 instead of a 5 is because a lot of asshats have left us a one-star review. And we've read them on the show before. It's usually like, oh, talk about Yakuza too much, or oh, they're women, or they feel like everyone should be treated equally. You know, like, really stupid reasons. Really dumb reasons. And because of those asshats and their asshattery, it's impacting our overall goal. So I would love to see if we can get our average five-star review score up from a 4.6 to, like, even a 4.7, I would do backflips. I mean, not really, because I'd probably break my neck. But all I'm saying is if you have not left us a review, you please do you don't even have to like write anything down we'd love it because we'll read it but all you have to do is tap that five star and help us go far yeah yeah just take a couple minutes of your time does not take any dollars or cents or credit card numbers we don't need to get the name of your firstborn child or anything like that we just no could use a little support and that's an an easy way to do it Um, no rumpelstiltskin claws Listen, I literally just read that book the other day for the first time in a long time, and I forgot how creepy Rumpelstiltskin is. That is a weird child story. I don't know why. It's for children. It's bad. All right, let's talk about some news, shall we? Let's get into the news. This first story will tell you just how slow of a news week it is, because this is the lead story. Dead Island 2, everybody, launching a week early. 
Why would that be? I have no clue. Could have anything to do with that little game we talked about a couple weeks ago, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, also being pushed to that date. Who could say? So who yeah, could say? I mean, who could say? Take a shot, John Drake, everyone. But yeah, I mean, like no one, no one's surprised by this. I'm not surprised by this. Are any of you surprised by this? I mean, a little after all the oh. the delays they went through. So Dan Buster Studios is the developer for this game, and they announced that the game went gold, which is a really important certification milestone for developers to essentially say, hey, the game is done. We're sending the code to the platform makers, Nintendo, Sony, Xbox, to essentially get the game ready to launch on their systems. And with that announcement, they said, and by the way, we're moving the game up a week because it's ready early. And we have seen this a couple of times in the past, and it can happen when a development team maybe gives themselves a little extra time in case they need it, and then they don't. And then they are like, well, let's just launch it early. But I think it's safe to say in this case, they probably don't want to release on the same day as Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which delayed to April 28th. So they would have been coming out at the same time. It's like, nah, going up against the Star Wars, just not a good call. Especially, I think, just the overall consensus on Dead Island 2's Overall quality, like I'm rooting for it, but I think there's just a lot of like, okay, you're going to go against a Star Wars Jedi Survivor game or a game that's been a thing since 2014, I think is when it was announced. So yeah, this is right call. But like you said, slow ass news week. This is the lead story. Not much to dissect here, friends. No. And I just want to remind people that Dead Island Riptide is one of my favorite love to hate it games, meaning oh. most people hate that game and think it's janky and terrible. And I'm like, I thought it was really fun. I really liked it. <laughs> Whenever I get asked to be on a panel for like a game that I always have to defend, it's always Dead Island Riptide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very oh. excited about Dead Island 2. I'm oh, yeah. fully mentally preparing that it's going to be janky AF, but I don't care. <laughs> a game that isn't janky AF that is making a big overhaul in preparation for a big thing coming. Destiny 2, everybody. Hey. Um, so I feel like yeah, Brooke yeah. and Rihanna, you guys should take this story. I want to just make a little disclaimer here is that this is from The Verge and Tom Warren did a really thorough write up on this 5,000 word blog that was on the Bungie website, which is great. But I went through it as someone who's very, 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 very casual Destiny player who played a bunch back in the day, haven't touched it in a while. And I just kind of highlighted some of the things that I understood. So if y'all want, I can read these bullet points and you can just like after just talk about what makes you the most excited and tingling in the pants. That sure. Sounds good. All right. Absolutely. All right, Pants feels so, incoming. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So ahead of the Destiny 2 Lightfall DLC launch later this month, Bungie is laying out the company's plans for Destiny 2 for the year ahead and beyond. There are some big changes on the way for players. Chief among them is making Destiny 2 more challenging to play and some hints at a big overhaul for the power leveling system that Bungie has used for years. Quote, while we are still committed to offering multiple difficulty levels and content, such as our campaigns, Nightfall, Secret Missions, Dungeons, and Raids, we feel like the baseline challenge and most of our content is just too low, admits Destiny 2 game director Joe Blackburn in a more than 5,000-word blog post. Bungie is tackling the challenge of Destiny 2 and its ongoing power creep issues with build crafting updates, mod changes, and some nerfs to the damage and survivability of players. Bungie is now planning to tweak its power settings over the year ahead before it tackles the challenge of ending one storyline and figuring out where Destiny 2 heads next. Lightfall will launch with the usual power grind. The next season, Season of the Deep, won't have one at all, as the power and pinnacle cap will remain the same. Bungie is removing the Umbral Ingrams that it has relied on for many seasons, and you won't have to stack a seasonal currency to unlock a chest at the end of a seasonal activity. 
These are being replaced with keys that let you get bonus rewards and a simplification of the vendor upgrade system. My God. Uh, I'll stop you there. So what you've read so far is incredibly important to like power Destiny players. The light level and the power cap is something that we've been dealing with in Destiny 2 for literally years at this point. And Bungie has made changes, some of them significant, some of them kind of meaningless over the years. But I think it's important that they fully just call out the content's too easy because it is. It's so, so, so rare that you're going to get a mass influx of brand new players who have never played Destiny in any of these seasonal drops or even some of these big expansion drops like Lightfall is going to be. Of course, there's always people who are like, oh, I'm going to check this out for the first time. But more so, you're either catering to people who are already weekly or daily players or you're catering to people who used to be and are coming back to the game and don't need any hand-holding. They're going to get up to speed right away. I make the joke all the time when I'm playing. Whenever I go see like Amanda Halliday, I'm like, why the fuck does she still have green gear in her store? Like, who does that serve? Literally nobody. So many of the vendors have these incredibly worthless, low-level pieces of gear. Then it's like, are you still trying to cater to people who have never played the game before? What are we, like, seven years in? Eight years in? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) So I think that this is good. This is really good news. But we need to see what this actually means in implementation, which obviously we won't do until Lightfall comes out. Well, I mean, I will join in with Andrea, especially as someone who I'm the second category of those power levelers that you were talking about, where I took some serious time off and then came back to Destiny with Witch Queen. And in about like a week, I didn't talk to any of the NPCs. I was very funneled into the mainline content that was getting me the best gear. And I was doing like basically three or four activities. And that's what I've been doing since. And so I think if they're trying to overhaul it so that all of the content serves all of the players instead of this like weird... I guess you pay attention to this if you're new to Destiny, but otherwise you just completely ignore entire areas, entire storylines, things like that. I think this is really good for the game if they try to overhaul some of that. All right, let's move on to some PvP bullshit. So the countdown PvP mode is returning with the launch of Lightfall alongside a new countdown rush variant where players have to detonate or defuse both bombs on a map before a round ends. There is still a lack of PvP maps in Destiny 2, but a new Vex network map will arrive in Season 22. Trials of Osiris, the pinnacle endgame mode of PvP in Destiny 2, is also getting some changes this year. Blackburn says the team wants to change up, quote, the rewards and matchmaking structures of Trials of Osiris to keep the player population more healthy. Vanguard playlist is also being overhauled, including tweaks to Lake of Shadows and Arms Dealer strikes to match the combat levels found in more recent strikes. And Bungie is moving exotic armor away from being locked to lost sectors and into the core ritual activities. And the promised LFG system is coming a little later. As Bungie takes more time to perfect its LFG system, Fireteam Finder won't arrive until the final season of the year. Ladies, are your pants tingling? I mean, they would be if we hadn't heard this all before. We've heard it all before. <laughs> They've talked about making these changes a lot over the last two years, yeah. and they keep saying they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Mm. And I fully understand changing the matchmaking and the reward system in something like Trials of Osiris is difficult. But also, maybe it's just so broken all of the time, you just say, you know what, let's sunset it and make something new, something fresh, something that hardcore Destiny players want to experience. Because I don't think when you look at the overall player population of Destiny, that people are going to log in just to play Trials of Osiris and that's it and play nothing else. 
that player population within the whole scope of people who play Destiny, I have to imagine, obviously I don't know what the numbers are because Bungie has never told me and I've quite frankly never <laughs> asked. Not that they would tell me. Um, has got to be a small percentage of the overall player population who is playing Destiny and grinding Destiny day in and day out. And because of that, I say, why are we still spending resources as a company if I was making these decisions, which clearly I'm not, nor am I qualified. <laughs> I'm just armchair quarterbacking here for a second, okay? <laughs> it's like, Fair. why do we keep dumping so many resources to fix something that keeps breaking? Trials continues mm -hmm. to break over and over and over again with each update that they do, and then they have to put all this time into fixing it. And I'm like, why don't you just like stop fixing it and just say, hey, it was a cool thing that we tried a while back, and you know what? It worked for a while, and then it didn't work most of the time. Why don't we just do something different? Maybe we divert all of those resources into making like 20 new maps. Wouldn't that be cool to have just a bunch of new maps in the game? That would be awesome. Something like that. That to me is what I think would be a better use of resources. But, you know. I mean, as far as like where to dedicate resources. And again, I'm also not on the you know product direction team for, for Bungie. <laughs> gamer, but, none of us work for Bungie. <laughs> none of us work yeah. for Bungie. But if I were in the decision making hot seat, like if you really do want to appeal to newer players, if you want to get more people funneled in and interested in the game because, you know, it's been seven years since they launched and they do need new blood occasionally like make pvp the entry point like charles is the literal pinnacle of competitive play in destiny and it's so difficult that it's always broken right and if you want to make an accessible thing like give everybody the same gun loadout options like something like an apex for instance does where mm -hmm. you know you have a set loadout that you can choose from and then everybody's on an equal playing field like you still have your different subclass setups that you can index on and, and feel like you're at a high level of tweaking for gear, pvp right? yeah. but yeah and your gear but like give people <laughs> a chance right and that makes it more enticing and gives you something to strive for and you know maybe you would encourage some of those pvp only players to go venture out into some of the pve experiences either with the team or with matchmaking in order to level up and do some of the other game modes because honestly it's so hard to jump in like it really is yeah i have a question so this lfg system i know when you do a strike playlist or strikes in general they would matchmake you so what's the difference between that and this fire team finder that's a great question. I don't think we know because I don't think Bungie's ever really detailed what this oh. system is going to be, which is probably smart of them because once you detail, mm -hmm. then people set their expectations. And if you never give them details, they can't form <laughs> expectations. But they huh. sort of began this process with the Sherpa feature with raids, right? Where you could essentially have somebody Sherpa you through raids or you could be the Sherpa and help people through raids because the matchmaking is much more difficult with raids than it is with fire teams. But I mean, it feels like it's more of like a clan feature for people who don't have a clan that want to like team up with players that they can talk to or team up with players that are going after the same specific things, right? Like maybe you're trying to grind, you know, like shotgun kills or something. Maybe there'll be like a bunch of toggles that you can switch on or off to let mm. people know, hey, if I'm trying to run this for this reason, because what happens when you are match made randomly, let's say I'm in the Vanguard strike playlist and I'm playing by myself and I'm getting match made with two randos. Sometimes what happens is I need to get X amount of kills with a certain kind of weapon or with a certain subclass. And then my teammates are like, I'm just trying to clear this as fast as possible to get the rewards mm -hmm. at the end. And they'll just race on ahead and I won't have time to really go through and first experience the lore and the narrative if that's something I haven't experienced yet or get the kills or the certain amount of checkbox items I need for whatever bounties or quests I have if they're going so far ahead that they're literally pulling me 
into the next section because what happens in Destiny during strikes is if your teammates get far enough down the strike without you, the game will just auto-teleport you to the next area mm -hmm. that they're in. And sometimes that's okay and like you want that, but sometimes you don't and it's really frustrating and there's nothing you can do about it right now in the way that Destiny works. So maybe the LFG system is going to fix those things, but we don't know. This is all good stuff. Interesting. I think yeah, I guess I said- I just want to see it in implemented and there's nothing wrong with them telling the community and God bless Bungie for being so transparent with their community and really taking the time and these TWABs and all the other things that they do every week to communicate what they're working on. But a lot of the stuff still feels like, yeah, you talked about this a while ago. Do you have an update? Or are you just saying that you're still working on it? Is that the update? Would you say that people ever since they're split from Activision that they've been more patient with Bungie? Or do you think that patience is running out? Like what's the feeling towards them? Like obviously like what you can tell as people who play that game. I mean, I think people are as responsive to Bungie as they always were. I don't think that there's any more hatred for them. I think Hopefully there's definitely not. more people who are interested in seeing them succeed and wanting to have the dialogue and a two-way communication versus just yelling at them over message boards. But you know how gamers are. Angry yeah. gamers be angry. They just <laughs> yeah. want to yell at stuff and be mad and pointing that anger at an anonymous developer that they've never met and seen the face of is an easy target, which is unfortunate because those developers don't deserve that. I think mm -hmm. the Destiny community feels like a healthier place since Bungie left Activision. And I don't think that that's necessarily because of Activision's control over Bungie and the way that they ran Destiny. I think it has more to do with the people who are still in the Destiny community and care to even say something online are the ones that actually are mm -hmm. invested in the game getting better. Interesting. Well, good. I love getting my Destiny updates. It's been a while. I think there's been some frustration I've seen in the last year. A lot of the content has felt repetitive. And my hope is that like with Lightfall, because they are changing up some of the base mechanics of how things work, that would meet some of that critique. But similar to like what Angie was saying, I don't get the sense that there's like a lot of ire directed at Bungie. And I think part of that's because the people who are in this game, like year seven, year eight in, like they are in it and they want it to be the best possible thing. And Bungie is so transparent. I think that does invest some goodwill. And they just do other things like with the foundation and other ways that they try to make sure they're always communicating with the fan base that I think pays back dividends for a lot of how the community responds to what they're doing. That's enough about Destiny, though, because there will be a lot more Destiny talk in the weeks to come once Life All comes out. Let's talk about getting dirty with Final Fantasy VII. Oh, oh where's the clicker? Oh, it's oh. not that kind of dirt, everybody. It's like literally physical dirt because it's coming to Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> Brittany, are you excited? More like Power Wash Stimulator. Hey, oh. the clicker. Okay, Bree and I had this stupid yes. joke with the clicker, and I love that no one's literally mentioned it, but that's a story for another time. So, you know, even though I don't play Power Wash Stimulator, I know Andrew loves it. I know Re loves it. Doc, are you a fan of this too? I haven't played it, but I can see the appeal. Oh, absolutely. All right, great. Oh, Doc Brooke, it's such a great stream game. It and is. I know that you love streaming at twitch.tv slash Doc Brooke. Hey, hey so thank you for so that maybe plug. Maybe you want to explore. Of course, always be plugging. So Brittany, what's the deets? The deets is, and this comes from Nintendo Life, is we've known this Final Fantasy VII crossover was coming for a minute, but the Power Wash Sim Twitter account has officially revealed that the Midgar Special Pack will be making its way to all consoles on March 2nd at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
So it's going to be completely free for all those who already own the game and will be immediately accessible from the special section of the main menu after launch. So here is what you are going to get. You're going to get the Hardy Daytona, which is the bike that Cloud drives around looking oh so sexy. The Shinra Hauler, which is like a, a truck. Think of it that way. The Scorpion Sentinel, which is the thing you fight in the first Mako Reactor. Seventh Heaven, Tifa's Bar, the Mako Energy Exhibit, and the Airbuster, which is like a big, like tanky looking boss. And there are some pictures on Square Enix website, but I might have to play this now. Like I wasn't, I mean, I got my vicarious thrill listening to you talk about Power Wash Stimulator, but now I'm like, ooh, I can go. There's lots of crevices, I feel like, in oh, Final Fantasy VII wow. that need to just be like squeaked out. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Squeak those crevices out, Brittany. <laughs> ooh. Andrea, though, I felt like this was like your perfect match because I know you love oh, Final yes. Fantasy VII. Oh, yes. I am very excited about this because I've been looking for a reason to get back into Power Wash Stimulator. I may have to rebuy this on Steam to play on Steam Deck. Oh, I've been playing yes. this oh, yeah. Good Steam Deck game. Xbox or PlayStation. I don't remember which console <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> um, but I have been trying to play a lot more on my Steam Deck. And not that I want to keep rebuying games to play them on Steam Deck, but like it's so good. Yeah. It's just so good. You yeah, I wish to. there was cross progression though. Um, mm, I mean, every game should have cross progression, but that's a, another time. They should all. Think about how much money you could get from people if you had cross progression. We just keep buying it on all of our systems. I would yep. literally buy everything on everything. Literally. <laughs> everything yeah. on every Yeah, there you go. I would. Yeah, I Same. think I bought Assassin's Creed Valhalla on like two different platforms because Ubisoft, you know, gave us the codes when it first came out. And then I got it on Stadia and I got it on PlayStation because I got an Xbox code originally because Ubisoft Connect allows me to just bring my save and I was like this is amazing I want one of y'all yeah. to play this when it comes out and describe it to me in the most visceral way you possibly can so you're saying you're not going to play I mean I want to but I'm been playing a game with more husbandos than just cloud in it you know what I mean so like I go where the husbandos are Cloud mm. has one point of husbandos. No. Yakuza Ishin, excuse me, like a dragon Ishin has like 18 points of husbandos. So, no, if they had like a <laughs> mannequin. Has, sorry, I thought you were going to say a Yakuza power wash simulator where you wash all the Yakuza men. I thought that's where you were yes, going. Yes, exactly. That's uh, what I'm saying. Imagine getting in there with your power washer and getting all the crevices between the abs. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why, but the word you know? crevices is just yeah, getting worse just, and worse. <laughs> And then you can go around to the backside and you get all the little lines between like the lats and you know around the biceps and the deltoids. And you just, yeah. you know, get Girl, them all my nice pants are getting clean. tight. You better stop this right now. <laughs> Future Lab, pants, uh, this, this is free, okay? If you're listening. There's a game waiting to happen. Okay? <laughs> just take it. Just take the idea. Just take it. Just take you do it. it for the husbandos. You can do it for the waifus. I mean, oh. if you put Tifa in there where you had oh. to power wash her. Oh, the jiggle physics? Me? Oh, my God. Do you know how many gamers would be like, well, here's my money. Just take the whole wallet. Just take oh, the Oh, absolutely. Just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, done. Wow, we're, we're done. Right. We need to go to horny jail. That was bad. <laughs> yeah, where's the clicker? <laughs> Brittany. Girl, I'm too, like, sweaty. Already. I can't even push the button right there. can't <laughs> <laughs> <And> even. <laughs> I was going to say a quick in case you missed it, but this might not be quick. Okay, I can um, do it quick. I promise. Okay. Andrea, I'll spare you, but um, I'm going to take a quick shot for unknown producer, John Drake. Perfect. Yeah, this is a Disney Dream Night Valley update. So Festival of Friendship lands on February 16th. So that is probably now by the time you're hearing this. And um, if you want to see full patch notes, they're up on uh, DisneyDreamNightValley.com. 
But essentially, they're fixing quests that are broken. Kristoff is kind of increasing his stall limits. It's not enough iron. <laughs> New main story missions. You get more star path stuff to do. We got Olaf, Mirabeth, Mirabelle, and Casita, which we talked about before. More house decoration options. Disney 100 items is very exciting. But the biggest thing, you can change your villager roles once they hit level 10. So if you fucked up at the beginning and gave everybody gardening... <laughs> Because <laughs> you thought you'd be doing nothing but farming and actually you need all miners on your team. You can switch them, which is very exciting. And they've also made some really good improvements to storage, which I am actually running into as an issue because I have an entire yard full of chests and I don't remember what's in any of them, <laughs> but you can label you them now. organize them in different spots so it's you hard. remember where they are. It's it so is. Hard. It's hard. I do appreciate that they let you put lots of chests just on the ground and you can fill yeah. them up. But like, why can't I just expand the size of that chest instead of having to make another chest? It has so many rows that are just empty. Just like, let me pay to make more rows. Like, I will give you real money. I, I just I know. want all of my flowers in one chest. Right now I have them organized by color. Oh, that's tough. Wow. I have them by shape. Like the tall spiky flowers are all together and like all the low droopy flowers are together. But even then I have like four flower chests. Like it's too many. It's too many. Yeah. It's, it's too many. But Fix it. It's a lot. <laughs> These are good changes. And I am desperately hoping that this update fixes my broken Ursula quest. This has been a quest yes. problem. Uh, and they've put updates out a couple of times in the past. John's quest with Ursula was broken. Oh. But the end of Ursula's quest is how you get Prince Eric into the game. And you can't oh. get him unless you finish the quest. And turns out I'm stuck and I can't finish it. So well, fingers crossed that it gets fixed because... I need him. And I need Ariel. I need you can just look Ariel. at his statue and like clean all the crevices. Like, yeah. Just about. yeah, but you know, once he's in the game, he like stands on the beach and plays his lute. It's amazing. Sounds Ooh. hot. Wow. Yeah. His flute? His flute. A lute is a stringed yeah. instrument. That's what Kristoff plays. Plays his flute. Yeah. Sounds like a euphemism. Yes, it does. I mean, well, I was thinking of, Andrea, I was thinking of Ghost of Tsushima and the glitch you had with Jin playing his oh. mm -hmm. instrument. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, sure looked like he was playing something. Some sort of musical instrument. Why is this episode so kind of, of <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Um, we're very excited about this. This is very good. I've been doing a lot of decorating preparations. I love the community taking their imagination about what Game Loft is going to do with Casita and Mirabelle from Encanto to big places. I don't have the expectations that some of these people on Reddit have. <laughs> I'm like, this is never going to happen. But I love your imagination going there. People saying like, wouldn't it be cool if Casita opened and then they added doors inside Casita and all of the rest of the family from Encanto like could come into the world of the valley through the Casita? I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. I, I, that's definitely not going to happen, though. Yeah, probably not. That would be cool. Doc, are you playing this game? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my, my partner loves it and has been playing it on Steam Deck like a bunch, but that I am like on the Destiny JRPG grind in my life right Hell now. Yeah. That's fair. I'm scared of what's going to happen when I have to add Lightfall to this. <laughs> I'm very scared. <laughs> I feel like this is the game that you'll play like on your lunch break and then Lightfall is the game you play in the evenings. But then when do I play you Fortnite? Time. You oh. put Fortnite aside for a little while. Oh, oh. I don't know. That she Battle Pass like that is answer. so good right now. I know. Yeah. I just bought the Battle Pass, too. We haven't played. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. I'm never going to get those V-Bucks back. <laughs> <laughs> Not your V-Bucks. 
Oh, oh my God. Anyway, very exciting stuff if you're into the Life Sims and are playing Dreamlight Valley, Festival of Friendship, and then, you know, more to come in April. On that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. I'm not going to talk about Dreamlight Valley this week. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> There's lots of other cool stuff to talk about. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Everybody, it is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we have been to. But before we get to that, I want to let you know this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Remember those New Year's Eve goals that you promised yourself that you would stick to? Well, you guys, it's already halfway through February. So if you're going to get serious, it's now or never. And with HelloFresh, they are here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door, taking the hassle out of dinner time. Come on. The constant tug of war between what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? You guys know this argument. It can be solved by choosing from the over 40 weekly recipes from HelloFresh. So you can say bye-bye to your recipe rut and treat yourself and your family to exciting new flavors every single week. You can customize select meals by swapping proteins or size or even adding protein to a veggie dish. And now you can even upgrade organic chicken or organic ground beef. Very fun. So just tonight, before we recorded the podcast, I had a couple HelloFresh meals that I had planned to make earlier in the week. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make them both at the same time. Two of my faves, the onion crunch chicken and the crispy buffalo chicken. Put them on the same pan. Oh yeah, Brit knows. Both of them are delicious. Cooked them at the same time. I even steamed the broccoli so the baby could have some. Chef's kiss. So if you guys are on HelloFresh and you see those recipes, they're both delicious. If you want to try America's number one meal kit for yourself, head to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 65 and use our code What's Good 65 for 65% off plus free shipping. You can try it for yourself at HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 65 and use our code What's Good 65 for 65% off plus free shipping. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Let's start our hands-on discussion with Brianna. <laughs> okay, so 
Do the sad trombone. I think that there yeah. is a sound effect for that. In Do you have a sound audio thing? Hold on. Is this it? Oh. Oh, oh we're you fucking fancy, fancy now. Fancy. Okay, that cheered me up a little Girl. bit, and I needed it. Season 16, Revelry of Apex Legends is out, and there's a new game mode called Team Deathmatch that you can play. <laughs> oh. And you oh, no. can oh. completely lose track of what's going on with your teammates because you can only match make with two other people, not a full squad of six who you're playing with, which is really hard and confusing. And people quit a lot and you end up with your team of three oh. against a full team of six pretty often. And that sounds awful. <laughs> no, I was so you. excited. Like, I was so excited, y'all. I was fucking hyped. For Team Deathmatch and Apex. Like, they got rid of arenas. Thank you for listening, Respawn. They added Team Deathmatch as a permanent game mode, at least for now, which we're really excited about. And it feels great. Like, when everybody sticks around and the team is working together and your spawns aren't all super messed up, like, it, it's it's a lot of fun. You feel like you get a longer time with the, the loadout that you choose and with the legend that you're playing as. And it, it's a really good opportunity to learn the mechanics of the game and trial and error, right? Like, you're not out and waiting 30 minutes until your next encounter. You're, you're respawning right back in the game. It's two rounds to 30 kills, best of three. So there's lots of opportunities to try and fail. What's not really great about the experience is the fact that you can still only match up with two of your friends, not five. And you can talk to your friends in game chat, but not the other three people. And even if you, by some stroke of luck, get matched up with three other people that you're trying to play with after arranging lots of evenings, which is really difficult for adults to do, you can't hear them unless you're in Discord. And it sucks. And it feels like an issue that should have been addressed, or at least a shortcoming that should have been communicated more clearly before they released Team Deathmatch and got people like me all excited to come back, right? But it is what it is. I know Respawn is is very responsive to the fan base. They've showed that with season 16. I do still have faith that they might try to implement some fixes to make this a little bit more stable for people. But as of right now, it kind of killed my hype for, for the season and for Team Deathmatch. And I'm sad about it, but that's okay because I still have Fortnite. Yes, you do. And we'll get that sad business out of the way because there's a lot more games to talk about. And we'll keep our fingers crossed that they fix it because Respawn is... Pretty good about that. So it feels like they'll tackle that right away. But Brittany and Doc Brooke have been playing a game that I've seen all over my feed this week. A game that I feel like I know nothing about. Wild Heart. So Brittany, before you and Doc launch into your experience playing this game, what is this game? This is a monster hunter game. It might be a genre that you're very familiar with. Yeah, honey. You would love I'm surprised you're not playing this. Yeah. So quick disclaimer, thank you, EA, for the review code that I got. Doc, did you purchase your copy? I got it through Game Pass Ultimate, one of the best deals in gaming, where they have the 10 hour trial. Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you could get it early and do a Mm -hmm. trial and all that. But by the time this podcast releases, it is out and you can play it. Yeah, so this is a Monster Hunter game. It is developed by Omega Force. You might know them from the Dynasty Warriors games. They're really good at that sort of whole shenaniganry in combat and published by EA. So this, I've been trying to get into a Monster Hunter game for a long, long time. Uh, Always hearing Andrea talk about her fun times in Monster Hunter always got me so jealous, but I could never get into Monster Hunter. It was too complicated, too many moving parts for me. And then I tried Dauntless, and that was fun, but I feel like it lacked the tension 
and the intensity. And plus, it was a live service game. So I feel like inherently with that, there are just some choices that I was like not the biggest fan of. So here's round three. Here comes Wild Hearts. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me this is a Monster Hunter game that takes place in feudal Japan. Say no more. I feel like this is going to be right up my alley. And oh my God, it is. I feel like I have found my monster hunting game and I am so, so damn excited about it. So players, you are assuming the role of an unnamed hunter in the land of Azuma, which is this. And Brock, I told you Brock. I'm so sorry. Talk <laughs> Brooke. Feel free to interject whenever you yeah. want. Don't let me keep on talking. If you got something to say, be like, bitch, shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you are a hunter, and there are all of these huge-ass monsters called Kimono who once peacefully roamed the lands, but now they're all mad about something, and they're killing people, and you are the only one that can stop them. Of course you are. So what makes Wild Hearts different and why I think it clicked for me? I think this is because the combat feels relatively fast-paced compared to Capcom's Monster Hunter. I think it just feels more action-packed. And you have this you have this ability called Karakuri, which is something you can summon. In Japanese, think of Karakuri as essentially meaning like um, a mechanized thing, like, a th- like a, an object, an item, if you will. And you summon these by collecting something called thread throughout your adventures. And for example, you can harvest th- this from rocks, from trees, and think of it as in-game mana, right? So as long as you have enough of those, you can create Karakuri. And one of my favorite ones to create, for example, is the Bulwark. And what you can do with this is it serves as a defense mechanism. It serves as something you can crawl on top of and jump off for an aerial attack. You also have a hammer that you can use. It's called the Pounder, which I just freaking love. And uh, if you can summon it quickly enough and in a strategic position, it'll deal massive damage to the enemies around you. Okay, well, how do you summon these? Um, I'm playing on Xbox. You hold LB and then it opens up a menu of sorts and you kind of just can quick button to whatever you want to use and it'll build it. And as long as you have enough thread, you can build as much as you want, but each Karakuri requires different amounts of thread. And it's usually a few seconds to summon and build, depending on what it is you're doing. And because of that, it feels like there's just always something happening, and it doesn't feel like the slow, methodical monster hunter combat that I was so used to, where it's like, oh, it takes me five (laughs) seconds to swing a big axe, and oh, oh, it's running, okay, I have to cook a million things, blah, blah. This is a perfect like blending of Monster Hunter and Dauntless and with this ability to summon and build defenses and traps. It's just like, it's it's so much fun and it just feels so much more responsive and quick. And that's something I really love about it. Doc, what's your experience with these Monster Hunter games and how do you feel about Wild Hearts combat? Well, I think for me, Monster Hunter World was my first Monster Hunter game and I adored it. I put hundreds of hours into that Ooh. game. And so when I tried to follow up with subsequent Monster Hunters like Monster Hunter Rise, I think I was very confused confused by some the complexity of the systems. Playing on the Switch with Monster Hunter Rise was a very different experience online, and I was sort of disappointed in that. So what I have loved about Wild Hearts so far is that it seems to have streamlined without oversimplifying a lot of what I loved about Monster Hunter World. You know, the online integration feels really seamless. The building is really seamless. I was a little nervous about that, but you can do it in combat. You can do it in navigation. It's very intuitive. I don't feel like I'm clicking through a bunch of menus to understand what's happening. Uh, When you're harvesting from the animals to get items, you don't have to worry about where exactly you're harvesting on the creature to get the right thing. So Mm -hmm. they've done a lot of quality of life changes to what I would expect from a Monster Hunter World game or a Monster Hunter-like game 
to make it more intuitive and fun, but then they keep that fast-paced action and tracking creatures and, you know, farming for the right types of materials for your armor that I really loved as part of it. So I, I think they're threading that needle really finely and they're doing a really nice job. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, tracking the monsters. And you when you first go into an area, you can build a karakuri, which is like a, mm-hmm. a satellite, for example, and it'll scan the immediate area and beyond, and it'll highlight where the monsters are, so you know exactly where to go. Yep. And that is so helpful for me, and it's like, okay, and it marks it easily on the map. It's There's not a lot of guessing, and I think that's yeah. something that I just really appreciate, right? You can just kind of hop in and start hunting, and that is just amazing. And then as you play in every area, you have these dragon pits. And as you, they look like, I don't know, like mist rising from the ground with some crystals around them. And if you activate them, you can upgrade them after. And what that does is it gives you, I'm going to try to keep this simple, more points to spend in the world. And when you spend points in the world, you do that a certain, a few ways. So for example, you can build something that's like a, a what's it called? It's like a divine thing. Oh, um, it's like a, oh my God, what are those called? The zip line. It's like a zip yes. line. And it yes. goes either way. And you can build those all throughout. So like, let's say you're hunting a certain monster and you know the monster has a route it likes to take when it's fleeing or whatnot. You can just build those zip lines along the path that you know it likes to take. So now you have almost instantaneous travel because you just hop from zip line to zip line. However, that takes up resources in that part of the world. So that means you only have a certain amount of things you can build in an area and you have to keep upgrading these dragon pits in order to build more. You do that by expending materials that you find. And if this is all sounding confusing, friends, let me tell you, this is one of my biggest gripes with this game. I'm having a blast, but the tutorial, I feel like they did their best job at trying to teach you the basic basics. And then after that, they're like, all right, have fun. And I'm more than 10 hours in at this point, and I'm playing with Jason, and he and I are always looking at each other like, okay, so what are we doing here? What is this thing that we have here? What is what is the point of this? How do we build these different weapons? And it's been a sort of a frustrating experience, but now that the game is clicking and it's continuing to click, we're having so much fun with it. But if you're like me and maybe Brooke, you can speak on this and not super familiar with these monster hunting games, there is a learning curve. And for the first few hours, I was like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. I don't know if I can keep playing this. But then once you get it, you're like, okay. But it's a lot of personal trial and error. And I know there's that fine line of too much tutorial, not enough tutorial. And that can impact the pacing. But I feel like it's just not very intuitive, some of these mechanics that are thrown in here. I'm going to just jump in for a second mm-hmm. and say, as somebody who spent, like, like Doc Brooke, like, I mean, I played Monster Hunter on the 3DS and, and other iterations. But Monster Hunter World was really my deep dive into the this genre and really into the Monster Hunter franchise. Those games are also like very obtuse and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that you don't know what to do with. I mean, I think I put over 250 hours into Monster Hunter World and there was whole crafting systems that I just never touched. That I was just like, I don't need to go down that road. I don't have a desire to craft these specific kinds of armor or weapons. And like, I'm light bow gun all the way. I don't really want to experiment with a bunch of other things in the game. And like, there's a lot of it that I just didn't understand. That There was like whole swaths of crafting gear that I, or crafting items that I'm just like, I don't know what this is for. And I think that that's a genre problem that they maybe need to edit down. And be like, let's why do why do we have all this superfluous stuff in the game? Like, is it necessary? No, I would agree. I think in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to crafting in the items, there must be a desire to have like intricate, nitty gritty, like you want this exact right potion for this moment or this like the right type of poultice and stuff. And that's just not how I play games because I don't have that kind of patience. I'm like, what heals me? (laughs) 
right? I'm like, what keeps me from dying and what kills things fast? Like, those are the two things I tend to care about when I play games. So I agree, like, with Monster Hunter World, there are whole craft systems I didn't interact with. I've yet to really experience that with uh, Wild Hearts, but again, I'm only about six or seven hours in, so I may not have hit those things yet, but I agree with you, Britt, in that I don't necessarily think they do a lot of hand-holding in Wild Hearts. They went into this assuming you've probably tried a Monster Hunter type game before. Mm-hmm. And I I think that if you have experience with that, a lot of it's going to click. If not, you should just be patient with yourself. The fights might feel a little hard at first. It might feel a little obtuse at first. This does feel like a very Japanese game to me in certain ways in the way that it's been written and sort of the pacing and the way you're introduced to characters who introduce you to new mechanics in series. So there are some of those elements too. But I do think it is a genre problem to have so many items and so many crafting systems that you have to look up guides or if you take Andrea and my's approach, ignore them completely and just play the game anyway. <laughs> yep, and I think <laughs> that's know? definitely kind of a specific problem because when you're playing a game before it's released, there aren't a lot of guides out there because right. the game isn't out yet. Right. And so you're kind of yep. scratching your head. You're like, I got to email my PR person and be like, <laughs> uh, how do I do this thing? But no, I mean, all in all, like I have that gripe. And then another little small gripe I have is I feel like the story is there's a story here. And it's, you know, I'm sure it's great, but I find myself not caring. Like, I just want to hunt stuff. And I think part of the reason why is because whenever you're speaking to a character, I feel like they're just used as narrative fodder. Like there's a big party at one point and I'm at this party and there's just, and I think the characters look really cool. I'm like, I want to get to know you outside of just being something that spews off lore to me. And I'm like, tell me about the party. She's like, well, actually I'm going to lecture you about the lore of this land and the history of it. And I'm like, okay, like I see what they're doing here. <laughs> they're force feeding you the lore and that's boring. I feel like that makes for boring NPCs. So, I mean, I can't speak to the story too much because I just, And I never do this, ladies. I'm always someone who loves story. I just skip through all the dialogue. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to hunt stuff and gather materials. I know. Um, But anyway, like... the Monster Hunter dialogue is also, like, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like and maybe that's about genre. that game. That's as not why you play this clearly the genre. inspiration for this. Like hmm. the the story in that game is light at best. Well, we'll see if someone can ever make an interesting story for a hunting game. And maybe this one is interesting, but it's being forced by Dami, and I don't like it. Um, anyway, yeah, this this game is very fun. I'm very pleasantly surprised. I feel like again, I found my my monster hunting game. Jason and I have been playing for about two hours every night because you know babies. Um, but we're having an absolute blast every day. We're like, oh. We can't wait to now play. We I'm can't like, wait to play. Now I have FOMO. Yeah, I you wanna, should play. Now I want to play because yeah, I I've been looking for like a Monster Hunter type, and I just couldn't get into the last release that came out because I want Monster Hunter World Two. Be real, and it wasn't that, which is fine because like clearly Monster Hunter's biggest fan base is in handheld, right? Like I mean, they dominated with the 3ds, but like that's what I want. But I feel like this game like went completely under my radar and I just did not see it or hear about it at all, despite the fact that it was at the Game Awards. Yeah, and there's so much to it. The skill trees are massive for each weapon. You know, you can upgrade each weapon. You can add elemental stuff to it. There's so much different armor. I mean, that, you know, you'd come to expect from a hunting game. But And then you can even upgrade your Karakuri, which I don't even really know how to do because I feel like they haven't really taught you. I think, Brooke, you know, it's mostly like, oh, you unlock this upgrade tree from this flash of inspiration. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't know. I'm just going to keep playing the game. There's a lot to this. And it's it's deep. And I'm just really pleasantly surprised by it. And I think that's kind of the hook that keeps you going right it's like ooh, if i get this next thing i can go upgrade this and i have a more powerful weapon with a different element 
And, you know, when we are redefeating enemies, it's maybe like 13 to 16 minutes per fight. So it's not like it takes a heck of a lot of time. So you can really pinch these off. And it's just a really good time. Like, I feel like it's going under a lot of people's radar. So everyone who's played it that I've talked to has really enjoyed it and been very pleasantly surprised by it. So I would say if you're like me, someone who Monster Hunter was maybe a little too much, Dauntless was a little too little, this might be your sweet spot. And it's pretty and it's different. And uh, it's not trying to compete with Monster Hunter. I feel like it's trying to exist alongside it. And I think that's really an important distinction. I definitely Mm want to check it out now. You can play with up to three people. That's the the thing. Three people co-op. And you can summon people at uh, campfires. and Or if you're wandering around the world, you can summon randos. But if you want to play with someone specifically, you have to do it at a campfire. But you can build a campfire whenever you want, as long as you have enough resources to do it. Same with tents, which are your respawn points. So a lot of things you can customize. It's fun that way. We'll have to test that out. I hope yeah. it's not another, like, furled finger issue. <laughs> No. No, it's not. No. It's not. I I can tell you it's a lot more seamless than any FromSoft game. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> Wonderful news indeed. Well, let's continue on because we have other games to talk about. I have been playing, I should say played, a game called Blanc. So I did play this with Rihanna. We played it co-op together. But so because sad. the PR firm that represents Blanc is the one that Rihanna works for, She's not going to give her thoughts on it because that would be a gigantic conflict of interest. But she played it with me. I did. And uh, I will say that I think that she was better at it than me. There's not a lot of gameplay in this game. In case you guys are forgetting what this game was, we saw this, I believe, at an Xbox showcase for the first time. Or no, maybe it was a Nintendo Direct. I think it was a Nintendo Direct. Yeah. And this game, I think we all looked at it and we're like, oh my gosh, it looks so cute. This game. I want to play the game. It's got the little friends. So let me pull up the B-roll. So this is a black and white kind of hand-drawn look. There's a little fawn and a little wolf cub. And the whole world is in black and white. And the art is very kind of like sketchbook style. And they have these interactions with each other. And in the trailer, you can see that there's clearly some cooperative gameplay happening where you're helping each other kind of traverse through the world. And I was really excited. I was like, oh, a little cute indie game. I want to play this. And so we sat down and played. And it was a really short experience. If you didn't Mm. get stuck the way that we got stuck on this one (laughs) timing puzzle, which I am so frustrated by... You could probably complete this whole game in like 90 minutes to two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very short. You know, most indie games are, right? So like I I was hoping that this wasn't going to be like a super long experience. I think like the thing that I got frustrated with in my gameplay time with Blanc was that I kept wanting (laughs) more narrative from the story. I think you look at a trailer like this and you're like, okay, well, the art seems, you know, kind of minimalistic and that's okay. The gameplay seems pretty basic. You're controlling an animal as they walk through the world, maybe doing some minimal jumping and some light platforming. And what else is the gameplay? I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just like a really cute and daring story. And so essentially you, you know, co-op play as this fawn and this wolf cub, which is an unlikely pairing, right? Because mm-hmm. wolves typically eat, eat, the, eat the deer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, where's it going to go? So it's about them working together to find their family as they get lost in a snowstorm. And I just I think I kept wanting more. I wanted like a little bit more gameplay, a little bit more depth of story, depth of narrative. And I went to go look up the story behind this game. Like, who is this team? 
you know, where did this game come from? Because Gearbox Publishing published this game. So clearly, like, they made an impression on somebody at Gearbox to get their indie game published. And I was just like, I don't, maybe I'm missing something from the game because, like, it's, like, it's cute. It's a cute story, but it just kept, it just kept leaving me wanting more. And there was some sections of the game where all we did was essentially move our characters through the world. Like, there wasn't actually any gameplay at all. Part of me goes, well, I like the accessibility of if somebody never played a game, like if I was going to play with my mom or if Rihanna was going to play with her mom or somebody that hadn't played games, it'd be a really good kind of training game because Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of gameplay mechanics. But it didn't feel like it was marketed that way. felt like it was marketed a little bit different than that. And so I'm kind of wrestling with these feelings, these kind of pulling feelings of like, This is a cute little indie game, but also like this feels like a giant waste of time because I didn't really have any fun playing this indie game. In fact, I got there was a couple moments in the game where I got really frustrated that most of the gameplay was really easy. And then suddenly like these puzzles got like weirdly hard. And I was like, is this like a timing thing where I'm just like not hitting the button in the right window? So, for example, there's like a, a timing puzzle where you have to like help these little ducklings cross this section of the world to get back to their mother. And you essentially using your body to like shield the wind to like help them get across. And I just like kept failing it over and over and over again. And we were actually moving through the game quite quickly until we got to the section and it stumped us for almost a good like 20 minutes before we were able to move on and figure it out. But that inherently isn't a bad thing that like a puzzle stumps you because puzzles are going to hit everybody different. Some people are going to get them right away and other people won't. But I think it was the inconsistency in the gameplay that kind of frustrated me because I was like, oh, this seems like a really nice, easygoing, simple game. And then all of a sudden there's all these crazy timing mechanics that come in. And I was like, this just feels unbalanced. So I think this game had a lot of potential, but I kind of left feeling not as happy and warm and fuzzy inside as I wanted to. And there's Mm. a fake out moment where they think that uh, an animal that you come across, and I won't say which one to not spoil it for people, like gets like severely injured and almost dies. And you're like, wait a minute, did you just like kill a creature in this game? Like this easygoing game? Because there's no combat in the game. There's nothing to be like afraid of in the game. It's designed to be this experience and approachable. Mm -hmm. And like, I like, I felt like my emotions were being toyed with. And then I got angry. I got really (laughs) mad about it. It's like, don't you fuck with me. (laughs) Now, did you guys play online? Or did you play to get, um, how does that work? We played played online. You can play this local co-op on Switch. If you're playing on Switch, it's also available on Steam. We were playing on Nintendo Switch. Um, There is Mm -hmm. online co-op as well on both platforms. And that's what we play. We played as online co-op. Yeah, you can play solo. I will say if you're playing, I don't know how it is on PC because we played on Switch, but I played it solo and I know Rihanna tried it solo as well. But playing solo, you control each individual character with different Joy-Con sticks. And it's okay in the beginning, but then they like cross paths visually on screen. They go from like to the left side of the screen to the right side and from the right side to the left side. And let me tell you, that's going to break your brain when you're trying to move the Joy-Con sticks <laughs> and the characters are on the opposite sides of the screen. And you're trying to like jump and move the characters with with the Joy-Cons docked. 
And I was playing on the pro controller. I tried it with the pro controller. Still broke my brain. I was like, this is really <laughs> hard. This is really hard to play solo. It's doable, but like it's kind of one of these moments where you're like rubbing your tummy and patting your head at the same time. You're like, can I do this? Can I can I accomplish this fact? <laughs> yes, I can, but it's like <laughs> does my brain want to work that hard? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, games like this, you know, it, it's hard because they're adorable, they look charming, and there's no text or dialogue. You know, they it really relies on that story. Like what story can you tell through the actions of these two like super cute and endearing characters? So yeah, if the story just kind of like falls flat, then unfortunately that works against it in a very heavy way. It's not like yeah. there's really much anything to, to rely on uh yeah it was a yeah. bummer yeah it was a super bummer and like i wanted to believe in this game because it's born out of a game jam like the story is like the they the team was caught in a snowstorm i think in montreal and like they created this game at a game jam and kind of evoked these feelings of like isolation and you know trying to find your way and i like i really was i wanted to hope for it but i was just like yeah, it's like I'm, yeah. I kept waiting for the punch of the story and it just like never happened. Like, it's, I think yeah. I walked away being like, this definitely just feels like a game jam game that you're charging $14.99 for on the eShop. And I'm like, Ugh. I don't know how you can get away with charging $15 for a game that feels like a student project. And Especially I hate saying too- that because like, I want to believe in indie devs and but there's just like the competition in the indie space is fierce. There's so many amazing games being made and published every single day out there. And I just was disappointed. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, especially if you have to purchase the game twice. If if you're playing with someone online, you know, I think of a game like mm-hmm. It Takes Two. Granted, you know, that had different probably backing and publishing, but that's a great example of a co-op game that, you know, while it wasn't, you know, $15.99, it was much more expensive, but you only had to buy one copy of it. Right. And then someone else could join in. And so, yeah, it, it's hard. Like, I'm with you. I want to root for these games, especially games that focus on co-op, because like you said earlier at the top of this, it's nice to support games that help introduce people into video games. And it sounds like this is one of those games. But if you're looking for something a little in-depth from a narrative perspective, which this game has kind of been touting along, that can be a little disappointing. But yeah, I think, I think I'll still check it out because, like, you know, I... That's what I do, but I appreciate well, the proper so many co-op games. I think you and Jason will like it, but you guys will blow through this game probably in 60 minutes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's very short. It should be like a $4.99 game. Right. Or it should be part of Game Pass. I just yeah. wanted more. I just wanted yeah. more. That's all. But, Fair. you know, I checked it out. It was very cool. So thanks to the team at Gearbox for sending me the code. I wish I said that at the top of this. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I want to see more from this team. I want them to be able to keep making games. Hopefully they can. But yeah. we have bigger conversations to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, normally this is probably where we'd be ending the show. But crack open your next cocktail or, you know, your ice cream or <laughs> whatever you're snacking on because... <laughs> It's time to talk about Britney's husbandos. Oh my God, strap in, ladies. We're going to go through this. I'll make this short and sweet and sexy. So, Like a Dragon, Ishin. So, Yakuza is now going as Like a Dragon. So, if you hear me say Like a Dragon, that's what I'm talking about. Also, thank you to RGG and Sega for the review code for this. I have been living my very, very, very best life for the past few weeks. Yeah, so this game is a game that was released exclusively in Japan in 2014. And thanks to this 
resurgence of popularity in the West for these games, you know, they they kind of brought it on over. They remake. It's like a mix between a remake and a remaster. I try to get official language from PR about what it is that this game is being called because it feels like it's a little bit of both. I don't have that official verbiage for you, but we're just going to move on from that point. Some of the new features that come along with it, localization support, new content, and remastered graphics is the only official thing I could get. And this game is really interesting because what Ishin does it's a spin-off of the main series and it takes all of the faces that we know and we love and it puts it into this 1860s Japan era and it's really funny because all the characters not all but some of the characters that are in this game are based off of actual historical figures so the man that we know as Kiru is in this game he is the main character but he is known as Sakamoto Ryoma who is a real samurai that was born in 1836 so it's like kind of interesting in that sense that they take some history and of course they add their Yakuza spin on it and they fill in all these gaps so in no way shape or form is this an accurate historical retelling of a thing that happened in that time period but is loosely based off of that and I didn't know that going into this so I thought that was very 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 interesting so you might be like yo history is cool but this is actually feel like a Yakuza game and they it's all 100% yes. It is just as wacky and wild as you would expect. So it doesn't take place in modern time, obviously. So you don't have Kamurocha. You don't have that bustling, neon-flooded city, bustling streets. You have kind of an old town, but it's large. And there's lots of things to do. There's karaoke. There's dancing. There's chicken races. There's gambling. There's fishing. There's a brothel thing you can get into. Like... There is so much to do in this game. And just for full transparency, I'm maybe 30 hours in and maybe 27% of the way through this thing. I am like doing all of the activities. I'm doing all of the sim stuff. I am just living my very, very best life doing all of these wacky, wild things. And I am just having so much fun. It's not very often we get new Yakuza games like this. Excuse me, like a dragon games like this. And what else about this game? Oh, the sub-stories are back. There's like, I think, over 70 of them. And these are, I would say, just as integral to these games as much as the main narrative is. And some of these are just absolutely hilarious. Some of them actually made me cry. Some of them are just some fun battle scenes. But I guess what the point I'm trying to make is, if you don't know anything about this, just expect your typical run-of-the-mill Like a Dragon game, but set in 1860s Japan. And you are just going to have so much fun. And some of the things I've talked about on the show was the Another Life side story where you actually run like a farm and you can raise crops and cook and sell produce. You can adopt animals. That part of the game is fun. I would just want to set expectations and say that don't expect anything anything too in-depth from a gameplay perspective. You know, it's very surface-level farming is what we'll call it. You can do it all from a menu, but you have to be in the, the actual area to do it. You can't just open up your menu from anywhere and do it. But it is fun, and I actually did find myself going back to it, and, and even just for a few minutes for the change of pace. It's just, oh, I just love these games so, so much. And then on top of that, there's the battle dungeons and the trooper cards that I'm sure y'all have seen. Essentially, there's dungeon crawling, but you get to use trooper cards that give you buffs and special abilities in and out of the dungeons. There is so much, and I could be talking about this game forever and ever and ever. The combat, you have four different styles, and they're all very fun. You have swordsman, you have gunman, you have wild dancer, and then you have brawler, and then the skill trees on those are super in-depth, and the heat moves, you can make orange juice by shoving an orange in a man's face and stepping on his face and making orange juice. Like, that's how you finish people in this game sometimes. It's just so crazy. Anyway, I love it all so much, and the TLDR of this game is it is fantastic. It is so much fun. I will say it is a little slower pace than some of the other games you might be used to but you know that kind of fits in with the the time period i would just say be 
be expectant of that. And when it comes to the remake remaster conversation I was having earlier by myself, I don't know. I know there is a day one patch coming. I don't know if it'll fix this issue, but there is an issue with textures popping in and out. So I'll be talking to someone during the very intense cutscene, and their face is smooth as a baby's ass. And all of a sudden, boom, pores come in. You're like, okay, well, that was a little distracting. (laughs) And that happens quite a bit. And I do wish there was an easier way to fast travel throughout the town. But again, if you can't tell, I'm just having so much fun with this stupid game. And I say stupid because it's such it's like a crime drama, but it is just the silliest thing you'll play. And there's a lot of game here. I can see me probably wrapping this up at 80 to 90 hours and I am not going to rush through it. I'm definitely going to take my sweet, sweet summer ass time just going through everything. Rock, like, paper, the, scissors, mini game. Let's go. This is, this is the brothel. And, you know, yeah. And then here's the fishing stuff. Like, it is just <laughs> the chillest time. I will spend hours just fishing. For why? I don't know. Because I can. You can dance. You can karaoke? karaoke. Oh, that's oh, why I'm saying. Yes. Goodness. And this is literally just scratching the surface of all of the stuff you can do. Like, there is so much you can do outside of the narrative, outside of the sub-stories, outside of the Another Life and the dungeons. But that's like Yakuza's brand, right? Is these wild mini-games that's always been yeah. a hallmark of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to... Look at the... Yeah, this brothel stuff. You can catch sharks. You can slice cannonballs with your katana as they fling at you. Why not? Why not do they it? They were doing Fruit Ninja before Fruit Ninja existed. <laughs> oh, God. It is just... It is such a fun game, and I'm so happy it exists. There's just nothing like these if you thought like the main yakuza excuse me like a dragon series was wacky just wait till they take it to 1860 japan and then they just put that charm all over it and then i'll post all the daddies can we just talk about them my god (laughs) all those i just want to power wash them come on i mean yeah (laughs) yeah i do (laughs) it would be great um but yeah this game is out i think it's the 24th i should make sure i know it's not this week I was really impressed with the embargo. It was nice and early. I'll look into that. But yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a good. new game, right? No, it came out in 2014 in Japan. Um, but yeah. there is the, I'm trying to think of when the remake comes out. But it, I think, I don't know, whatever. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, you should play it. Everyone should just play it. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we are a professional podcast here. No, I, the reason I'm hesitating is I think if you pay for another version, you might get it earlier. You know how sometimes you'll do that? Or maybe I'm thinking of Wild Hearts. I don't fucking know. February 22nd. No, that was February 22nd, 2014. Andrew, I don't know. Don't ask me these questions. How am I supposed to know when the game releases that I'm reviewing professionally? I mean, it's probably in the PR email if I had to take a gander. I know. I'm actually looking at the <laughs> review guide right now. Um, The review guide, it releases February 21st, 2023. Pre-order the digital deluxe edition to unlock early access starting February 17th. That's what it is. Boom, shakalaka. Boom, boom. boom, there you go. Absolutely play this game. My God, it's a gem. It's a <laughs> freaking gem. Another gem that both you and Dogbrook have been playing, in addition to Wild Hearts, is Fire Emblem Engage. I was playing that. Doc, how are you feeling about that game? Oh, 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 oh we got feels. some tea? So I adored Three Houses. Oh, me too. This is not the game I wanted after Three Houses, but I'm also not mad about it. But I I do feel... I've been playing Fire Emblems since Path of Radiance, so 2005. I think there are a lot of games out there that are worse, but this is not my favorite. And I am still missing my Black Eagles and my Three Houses. That's how I feel about it. Black Eagles, eh? What about those golden deer? No, no, no. Betelgard. Betelgard is for life. Edelgard is for life. She is bae. I am sad to inform you that you will not be on our PAX East panel. (laughs) (laughs) I just got demoted. (laughs) You just got demoted. 
Claude is great. We can both agree that Dimitri's the worst. Dimitri's definitely Kay. the worst. Um, Rihanna and I are like, yeah, we totally understand everything. Dimitri fucking sucks, bro. Following, following, yeah. Read my girl, yes. Uh, yeah, so dang. Like, so I've only dabbled in Fire Emblem until Three Houses, and then I became absolutely obsessed. I'm like, I'm a Fire Emblem fan for life. I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. This game came out, and... I, I did feel like the marketing for it was it just felt a little different. Whereas mm. I feel like with Three Houses, it was like narrative, narrative, look how cool all the sim stuff. And then this game came out and it was just pretty quiet when it came to that. So I will say for the people whose eyes are glazing over, like my dear lovely co-hosts, for me, Three Houses, the reason it shined was was again the narrative, the different paths, the branching choices, you know, all of those sorts of things. How after every fight you could go to the what what was it called? Your your home base, whatever, and Garrick Mock and talk with everyone. Everyone always has something interesting to say. They would always talk about whatever major narrative event just went down. And you felt like you were really forming these bonds with people. And certain bonds couldn't be advanced until a certain part of the story. And it made them feel very lifelike and very, very well written. My issue with this one is seeing as that was kind of my main hook and draw to Fire Emblem, the last one, this one just doesn't have that. I feel like the, all the characters are so one-dimensional. They say the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm about 18 hours in. I think that's like chapter seven or eight. I don't remember. And I just don't feel compelled to go back to it. And it makes me so sad because I just, I think the character designs are great. I think the game looks beautiful. It's just when it comes to the narrative is paper thin. Every time I want to talk to the people, they say the same stuff. Thanks for having me at the Omniel. Okay, you're welcome. But you said that like five hours in a row. Can we say something different? All that said, I have heard, and I'm glad you're here because you can tell me if this is true or not. I've heard that it feels like every other Fire Emblem has a good narrative and every other one shines in its combat. Is that accurate? I think that's actually pretty fair to say, even just thinking about... So like, so Awakening, which would have been out on the 3DS, was sort of a big turning point for the series where... A lot of the tropes and things, originally that was going to be considered like the last Fire Emblem, but it did so well, we ended up getting more Fire Emblem. That was like a big turning point for a lot of the narrative. And really since then it has alternated. I think a lot of strengths for Engage. I think the combat's really great. I think the map design, I'm about halfway through the game. I'm like on chapter 20 something. Combat's great. A lot of the systems Mm -hmm. it introduces is great. But like you said, the writing is really weak. And I actually think it's weaker than some of the previous games really since Awakening. But it does sort of seem, Fire Island does sort of seem to kind of have these really story dominant games and then these ones where they're focusing on a lot more of the other experiential parts of the gameplay. I just think Three Houses, which had other flaws, of course, did such a beautiful job with a branching story narrative that to feel it kind of regress to being very, very, very tropey, it, it bummed me out. I, similar to you, it sounds like I've had to kind of push myself to go through some of the chapters, but the actual gameplay is really strong. So I do think it alternates, but I'm still a little disappointed. Yeah, and I agree. The combat is phenomenal. It is so much fun to actually play. But I'm like, okay, I've done this for 18 hours. Like, I don't need to keep playing the same thing over and over again. So I have officially sunset it, and that makes me very, very sad. So neither of you are interested in this expansion that was just announced in the new Direct that we got? I was at first. I was like, hey, like, there's new characters, I think is what it is. There's new maps and other stuff. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then when it actually came down to fire it up, I was like, do I want to do this? Or do I want to start Breath of the Wild over again? Well, guess what I did? (laughs) I started wait, 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 so you're telling me you actually finally finished the Ganon fight? Because for the longest time, you never did the Ganon fight. And I finished a Zelda 
Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? Andrea Renee completed a Legend of Zelda game before Brittany Brombacher Brittany did. Brittany Brombacher because... spent more time than Andrea Renee did exploring and doing all of the things. But yes, I did finish the <laughs> oh, game. Oh, yeah? How many Koroks did you get? Hmm? Oh, I hmm? don't know, honey. It hmm? was a very long time. Oh, here we go. Andrea Renee is trying to tell me she's a bigger Zelda fan than me oh, right wow. now. Really. No, can... I'm not. What I'm trying to say is the <laughs> fact that you start with the game again is just slightly amusing to me, knowing that you put off finishing it for so long. I finished it. I mean, that I can piss never, me off. I would never pretend to be a bigger Zelda fan than you. What am I? Like, out of my mind? Sometimes, <laughs> but not right now. <laughs> no, like I, 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 but that was like it. I was like, do I play? Because now that I'm all hyped for Breath of the Wild, I was like, fuck, I can't think of play this or done. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm done with Fire Emblem. And I'm so sad. I'll probably just Google it or Wikipedia and see what happens in it. Because I'm like, ah, I, I don't know. I'm so sad about it. But I'll wait till the next one and then I'll play it again. I'm glad to know that I'm, I'm not out of my mind, Brooke. Um, no, because you're not. I, okay. That's okay. It actually just saves me hundreds of hours of time, probably. <laughs> hundreds of hours that you could use playing Destiny with the three of us. Hey. Oh, oh, God. We got you. Come on. You, you know you want to. You want someone to just fall off all the time. That'll be me. I always fall off. I always <laughs> fell off the platforms in that game. I don't know what my problem was. I always oh, yeah. Platforming in that game is really hard. In that game. I'm a warlock in that. person that platforming hard. is inherently difficult. It's not mm-hmm. your fault, Brittany. Yeah. Platforming as a mechanic for video games was developed when 2D games were all the rage, and that's why where it should stay. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Platforming in a 3D game environment is tough, especially if you don't have full camera control. And Destiny's camera controls are very good, but they also intentionally make it challenging because I bet the devs just sit back and watch people fall. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> oh, you know they do. Good luck, assholes. Oh. No, they do. Fault of glass. Uh. Oh no! Ugh. Free. No, the Not the the one that always gets me <laughs> is the Crota raid, where they you're going through that giant cavern, and the the things like push you off, just push you the, off. Yeah, yeah, they like boop you into the nothingness. Like ah, <laughs> so rude, so rude. But you want that rudeness with us because then we can laugh about it together. Our pain yeah. is a shared experience. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's, she said it. She sold everybody. Well, this has been super fun. Doc Brooke, before we conclude for the evening, I would love to just briefly check in on your research project. How has it been going? Like, are you in like final phases? Are you done? Are you writing like your literature review? Like, where are you at? Check us in. Yeah, so I'm in the dissertation phase. Uh, so I actually just submitted my twi- uh, the chapter that I've been writing about a lot of the Twitch research I've been doing to my advisor, which is great. Uh, and that just means I keep on writing this thing that's actually a small book. And I'm it's going well, I guess. You don't really know until the end and you defend it and everyone else tells you you did a good job or that you failed. So we'll see. For folks who maybe missed our conversation the last time you were on the show, what is your research about? So my dissertation overall looks at how people use digital platforms, particularly those that are related to gaming spaces, to understand both their own personal identities and then also their personal politics. And so I've done a bunch of different chapters. I have a chapter about Animal Crossing. I also have a chapter about Twitch and specifically looking at hate raids on Twitch and how content creators like myself and some of the other groups that I was a part of 
We're trying to negotiate and work and essentially fight back against those things. And now, you know, Twitch has responded a few years later with shield mode and some other important infrastructural changes. So I look into how all of those different ways of existing on the internet and all the different tools we have to help us build communities and spaces for ourselves impact our life. And it's pretty cool. It's really cool. I can't wait to read it. If you intend to publish it, do you intend to publish it? Trying to. I have a couple of things under review right now, and my dissertation will be published, but no one ever expects anyone to actually read their dissertation because that's like reading like 250 pages of really dry literature. Just buy (laughs) me a whiskey and I'll explain my research to you in 30 minutes and it's much more interesting. Done. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I know a place we can do that. We need to fly you to LA. We'll get a bottle. Brittany will come down. We'll sit at this table behind me and we'll talk all about your paper over some whiskey. I love it. I love this. Done. It's a date. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show this week. It's so wonderful to have you as always. And we're very excited to see you IRL in Boston. Yes. And don't forget to check our social media channels for details on how you can potentially win your PAX East badge. And we hope to see you all there. And yes, What's Good Games will be doing a meetup. We are still getting the details together. But if you are planning to be in Boston, let us know. And um, we hope. To, um, to see everybody there. So thank you, Doc Brooke, for joining us. Where can people find you and follow you and kind of keep up with what you're up to? Yeah, so I am on Twitter at E-B-Fips, P-H-I-P-P-S, rocking those P's. And then I'm also mm-hmm. on Twitch on Sundays at 7, always raising money for charity at twitch.tv slash Doc And I spell Brooke with the E. We'll have all those links in the show notes for everybody watching at youtube.com slash what's good games. Of course, listening on your favorite podcast platform. All right, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Next week, Rihanna and I are out at DICE for the DICE Awards and the DICE Summit. And Brittany is holding it down with a special guest. And we will be back on the other side to talk about what happened, like us going to Super Nintendo World. Hey, hopefully it's cool. Fingers crossed. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. See you next time. Bye. Bye.